Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And I got a special guest on today, uh, Dave Corley, owner and operator of Upper Duck. And he's got some other things going on. And he's actually been on the MVM show before. So I'm really excited to have you back on, Dave. Thanks for coming on the show again today. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Titus. This is great to be back. Uh, it's been a little bit and it's great to catch up, kind of share some info, just get back with. Uh, how things are going on the West coast for you guys. And, you know, of course we love to keep up with how things are going through the season, but it's always great to do a little bit more one-on-one. So looking forward to it. I know me too. Um, how's the weather in that part of the country? I know how we're doing out here. We're about to f- flood again. How, how's your weather been? We've been luckier than you all. Um, you know, we had uh, quite a bit of, you know, I'd say, decent weather you know, on the upside mm-hmm. for sure this year compared to what you guys have been through and a lot of folks on the north like from minnesota to golly buffalo been brutal with snow mm-hmm. and such we've had a lot less snow this year than in the past uh, we don't have the range you have so you know we're we're looking good we're we're thankful we're just always looking at the news watching you guys and checking in on you and yeah. i know you're not like you said really like in a flood plane per se but a lot of your surrounding areas are, and a lot of your friends are. So I'm sure that you'll have a lot of work ahead of you because I know that Californians in that valley, they help each other out. So, Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I was telling you before we started, my friend's in a pretty bad area, and it's definitely going to flood again. So, I mean, they're kind of prepped from last time, but might have to go over there and help with some dogs and horses and stuff. And, and I think they're actually going to flood more than quite a bit more than we did last time because i mean everything's so saturated you know so yeah yeah that's what i hear you know and i got a i got a buddy who does some guiding out there um his you know springtime spec season and then and snows and such he said it's harder to find them with you know so many mud puddles everywhere mm-hmm. uh, to get in and out of it's harder to get to them i guess but uh they still shot some here you know late january february and into early march so um 
you know, I, I know that guys are still getting it done and got it done during the wet season. And, uh, but it, it, it is, it isn't easy. I know that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm noticed when, <clears throat> whenever we get a ton of rain out here in California, I'm, I'm assuming it's like this everywhere, but when there's a ton of rain, um, well, maybe it might not be like this everywhere because we're kind of where we have water is where we have it. It's not like there's just an abundant supply of water. Like, you know, Minnesota, what is that? The, is that the state of a thousand lakes or I, yeah, up there? Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, there's water everywhere. So, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of options for birds to go, but here it's kind of, it is where it is. You know, there's just not water everywhere, but when this happens at the end of season, like say in January, it definitely spreads the birds out and makes the refuge just a little bit tougher. Cause now the birds don't have to go to these spots, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, where we are in Missouri, we're, we've got, we're, we're like the river of uh, the state of rivers. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the Missouri comes in Mississippi, Illinois, right above it. Um, just a lot of other small springs and tributaries and, yeah, there's times when we get a lot of rain, you know, the floodplains just hold the water and those birds will be stacked thousands mm-hmm. at a time where, you know, you don't normally see a duck pit out there, but then you can go set up there, you know. Yeah. Um, but we, have, you know, we didn't really have to chase them like that this year. Uh, we just didn't have the rains that you guys are experiencing. It's just crazy to see the weather being so extreme out there, mm-hmm. you know, on the news. Um, but, you, you know, usually we get crazy tornadoes and, right. you know, our floods and the rivers come up and they, you know, everybody's got to move stuff out of the duck clubs. And, uh, it's been, it's been an, a little break for us, but obviously it's, you know, you guys are shifting and getting, uh, some of that, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, let's dive right into the call market. Today's call market. Uh, oh, was, okay, yeah. oh man, we, I kind of been texting you about it. And then you said, Oh, that's, that'd be a good topic to talk about. And I was like, yeah, yeah, if anybody knows it, you, I think, you know, just as good as anybody I've been on these Facebook groups and I'm a layers guy through and through. And, and that's guys, if you're looking for layers, definitely. I mean, they're hard to come by at this moment. Usually it's not this bad, but you can go to upperduck.com and, um, he runs that. Dave runs that. Him and his wife, and they do a phenomenal job. They always, it's just, it comes in quick. They get it out quick. It feels like the same day, Dave, but <laughs> a lot um, of times it is. Yeah. Yeah. You guys do really good. I really Thanks. appreciate the relationship and appreciate like your great customer service. So you guys check them out and they're on Upper Duck. Uh, I'm, excuse me. They're on Instagram, Facebook. And so on these Facebook pages, uh, there's two of them that I, I don't know if there's any more than that, but I follow two of them where people sell calls, layers calls every once in a while, some other calls, maybe some Raggio calls or whatever, but it has been nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I sent right. you a picture yesterday of one. Now, not that it wasn't a great looking call, but it was an old custom A2, like never been hunted. And it sold within 30 seconds for $650. Yeah. Um, I equate the duck call kind of space right now to what the bourbon industry has been going through. And I don't know if you drink bourbon Titus. I know you drink Mountain Dew. I do drink Mountain Dew. No, I don't drink alcohol, but I do, I do drink some Mountain Dew. (laughs) But well, you know, the bourbon industry has been turned upside down, you know, it's like on its head and Mm -hmm. everybody's buying it up and then reselling it on Facebook and kind of the duck call market is gone in, in what I see as something fairly similar. Um, you know, more guys in 
that that want it. So the the demand is is far out exceeding the 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 production right now. Um, and then even when the production happens, guys gobble them up and then they resell them and they don't want to use them for themselves. So right. you know, which hey, that that can happen and that's capitalism. Uh, it just it it is tough and it it does create you know some dissatisfied you know hunters out there the guys that just want calls they say to hunt with mm-hmm. um you know and to have and like hey i've been trying to get a hold of another couple extra calls this season or off season mm-hmm. and i can't even do that and mm-hmm. you know you know we get it and you know i, I think you know this titus I, I try to stay pretty low under the radar i don't mm-hmm. i don't like to get in and and i never mix it up and even when people unfortunately you know some people in this, in these times when it's hard to get calls or whatever, they think something's not fair or whatever, you know, that old saying on, since social media has been out or, you know, haters are going to hate mm-hmm. and some haters are going to hate and that's fine. Um, but I, I don't, I, I don't engage at all with any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, like you, same thing. And, but you hear all this and you try to keep people happy and you try to keep calls coming. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, what can humanly possibly be done. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's, and that's all we try to do uh, with layers calls and R and T and, you know, the pull whistles that we sell that have just been a phenomenal hit uh, to mm-hmm. grounds, goose calls and, uh, you know, riceland goose and introduced, you know, help, you know, we started carrying the, their duck call and just things like that from lanyards to you name it. I mean, when things are really good, the products is real. The product is really, really good, and the demand is really, really high. It's really, it's hard to to keep everybody happy. You're never mm-hmm. going to keep everybody happy, but it's hard to you like at least get to the point where most people are are happy with what the industry is is doing and and offering. But it's been tough. Um, you know, it's like it's like we're taking our lumps because we don't have enough stuff, but mm-hmm. we just got to take them and let those people, you know, some people are upset that they're not getting tagged or whatever. It's like, I can't tag 10,000 customers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it, it, we just try to do our best. And I'd say, you know, it, there's an old saying also, it's like this too will pass. And I think right. this, this will pass. <laughs> it, it, it's just a, it's just a high level of, you know, interest in, in, in the, the demand is just so high. Mm-hmm. And then you have a couple guys, you know, unloading their 20 year collection right now, which just adds to it. People like, wow, there's just like, it's a fury, right? People are like, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to sell mine too. And so like all these calls are coming out and, you know, back up on the market for 400, 450, yeah. 600, yeah. whatever. And then, yeah, you like, you texted me when I that last night, you're like, holy cow, this didn't last, but not even a, you know, they didn't even pour the cup of coffee before mm-hmm. it was gone, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of how it is. And, and you're right. It, it is tough. Guys are looking out for everything, trying to, uh, you know, see what they can get quickly. Um, you know, but it, the good thing is, like I said, it, this is, this is going to pass and we got like, what's today? I think March 10th. Um, we got, we got a lot of calls coming in in the next few days uh, or so. And, you know, ramping up again for the spring so mm-hmm. it'll be good now do you think um i don't know the exact day or when it was but do you think part of this has to do with mr lair's passing do you think that has something to do with it 
I mean, because that was when was that? That was not. That was, that was back. Um, it was it was late 2022, uh-huh. actually Christmas, uh, and when when Joe Lairs had passed, uh-huh. and uh, so some of it, yes, I think can attribute um, to his, you know, yeah, his final days here with us. Um, you know, I think I think between that and the fact that. Supply and demand. You know, supply and demand. You know, you put those two things together. Yeah, mm-hmm. it could be part of what's just this perfect storm. You know, the other thing is, it's I hate to say it, but it's it's also social media isn't getting less popular. Yeah, right. So it just you throw that in there too, and it's just you know people putting it out there, and every, then everybody's like, oh, I want to have a cool call to show too, and mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it there's so many great you know great things about it but there's a lot of challenges uh, with it. And, uh, but yeah, you know, Joe Lairs, who he was uh, an engineer and then he made uh, dental equipment and, you know, made what now some people say one of the best, obviously best calls ever uh, designed. And, you know, his innovation really brought to the forefront simplicity and consistency and, uh, you know, the sound is, is, is just what people love. And, uh, Brett's done a phenomenal job just taking on, you know, that company and, uh, he's full owner and just moves it in the direction that, you know, he feels is best. And, and, uh, we all are very appreciative of him and, um, he's a great partner, you know, Larry's is a great partner overall and does, has done some great things for this industry period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I've I've said that for. I was trying to think about the first time I bought a Lairs. I think it was it was only. I'm like technically to me, I'm new on the Lairs market. I've only been blown. I think for maybe five years at most, and okay. um, yeah. And then I've just learned a lot about calling in the last two because I've really. It's like, man, you can't own a call like that, and then not. I mean, you can, but for me, I want to be like, I don't want to have a call like this and not sound good if I'm going to blow it and and maybe that's just a human thing like what we think we sound like to each other because I know back when I was blowing a double nasty and I would still promote those you know those calls from Mm -hmm. um, but I was still calling ducks in I was still killing ducks so I guess it's just for me and I think a lot of people you want to grow you know you want to become better if it's a sport that you're passionate about it's something you love to do. Uh, you just want to try to become better at it, you know? And so I think, like you said, it's kind of, to me, the reason why I love Lair so much is because not only because it sounds so good, but also because the fail proof setup, like you said, with his engineering that he did with the, 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 the reads that they're cut precision cut. And also the, I say the tone board, I guess. Yeah, I guess it'd be the tone board. And then there's no, there's a, the, instead of it there's having the wedge, the wedge, yeah, instead of a plastic wedge. wedge. It's called, yeah. That was, I mean, <clears throat> I'm just not that good, I guess, to these guys that can always hand tune and do all these things to make it sound exactly like they want when they're cutting the reed. And then when, you're, when your wedge gets wet, your uh, cork wedge gets wet with the other style of calls, it changes the sound. And it's just like, this seems like such a, you can't hardly mess it up on the layers calls. 
Yeah, you're right. And, you know, as time changes, efficiency and like scalability is what so many people look for, whether they're in business or they're just like using products, really, if you think about it. Um, if you could have a better car today than 20, 30, or 40 years ago, wouldn't you want it? Well, yeah. And uh, and that's, you know, where the duck call industry has gone as well. Um, I still love messing with the quirks, you know, mm-hmm. on the other call lines. Um, you know, I some of my great memories, like at Duck Fest, sitting down with Jim Ronquist and, you know, cutting a call for somebody, he's really tuning it and, and, and sanded it a little bit on the tone board to customize mm-hmm. it. Uh, those, I mean, to me, those are like knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores, and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Those are great feelings and mm-hmm. some really good memories. And mm-hmm. when you can accomplish getting that tone board and that cork to be cut exactly to where that reed is. Uh, and then you got that sound there. There really is a different sound and no replacement for really good cork mm. in a good call. You know, you stick that really good cork in a, in a Mondo and man, you, you can get a bark that you just can't get in any other call. Mm. Um, and then you get a layers, you know, wedge with their, tone board with the spit grooves and you just you get a really good sound out of that j frame style that it's hard to get in any other call there's other call makers that kind of chase that 
um, but no one, in my opinion, has really been able to get that consistency down. You know, you, you can get a sh- we can get a shipment in of let's say 300 calls, and 100 of them might be hybrids, and you can I can run them all if I wanted to, um, and they're all going you know out of 100 they're all going to sound just about the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real good ears can pick out a little bit different pitches here and there. And, um, I've tried to do that over the years. Uh, and I think I've been lucky to be able to find some sounds that are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but golly, they sound, you know, they sound so close, but a guy like, you know, Jimbo can do that on his rock and ours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he, he's like Jimbo. I, we need six of these to, to sound the same. He'll, Boom, he could do it. Mm, um, that's but skill. when you're trying to pump out, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a gift, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it, and that, I think that's what's still great about this industry that there's so many different call makers. Uh, still, everybody's trying to, you know, find their the, the, a better sound or a better way to make that sound more efficient and and, and more scalable for everybody. Because mm-hmm. as we know, like for instance, right now we just can't make enough calls on that layer side. I know there's other call makers right now that probably can't make enough calls. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a demand, um, for, for more calls than, you know, a maker can, can get out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I tell you, you're right. When, when you're trying to like learn and, and get better and you want to run that call to your best of your ability and, and just, it, there is a difference when you go from a double read, like double nasty, to mm-hmm. being able to do a single read in the layers with a wedge where you know you never have to cut anything or change anything out on the on the actual cork or the wedge side, uh, you can just change a read, let's say. Uh, and you can lean on that read. The longer it gets, you can just re- lean on it, bend it, just sound like a louder, bolder, raspier, you know, duck uh, versus a double read where you, you're limited, right? You're just sounds good. Sounds like maybe a nice raspy kind of, uh, clean in that clean, but more of a, 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 an exact it's, it's like, Hey, you know, it's a duck, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't diversify kind of your call. You can't sound like multiple ducks. You can't sound like, you know, high and low, young and old kind of mm-hmm. ducks. But, um, and that's where, like you said, you're, you're getting at, yeah, it's where you're you're moving towards, and that's the beauty of you know, like I said, a call like a layers. You can one one T one you can do a whole lot with, and one hybrid you can do a whole lot with. One mag hen and one A five, but but the thing of it is, like all these customers are like, I want to try one. I get I get my first one, and yeah, and, you know, and they always come back and they add a second or a third type of model. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I want to. That's what I want to kind of do. Is I want to. After I want to ask one more thing, and it's probably pretty simple to you, and seems like not a long topic, and it might not be, um, just because you've been blown for so long, and you don't think that. But people that are listening that maybe have just got one, I think would be okay. really interested to hear. Um, I kind of want to ask two. I'm I'm going to ask them both. One would be <clears throat> sure. on all the varieties. And I'm just picking on layers because I love them so much. We can maybe do another episode another time about, or actually my next question I want to ask you, Dave, is about going into the your go-to call or calls and why. Okay. But before we do that, I want to just finish up the layers thing. So maybe your your favorites is not layers and it's totally fine. But 
I want to ask you for Magkin, <clears throat> excuse me, Magkin A5 Hybrid T1. Um, I'm leaving one out. Well, there is more, but I'm trying to think the most common. There's a small bore T1. There's an A2, and yeah. Uh, But we'll just do those: the Mackin A5 Hybrid T1 more, maybe because they're just seen more. Mm -hmm. Sure. Two questions for you. One is where you started with the reed sizes and lengths when you first started blowing layers, and what you've progressed to now. Like, what sizes did you like then? What sizes did you like now? Because I kind of feel like that changed. At least it has for me. It's progressed and changed. Obviously, I know different. They do different sounds depending on shorter or longer. But uh, maybe to shorten that question is like, what in each one of those calls, what read length do you like to use? Just out of just out of curiosity. Yeah. So for me personally, you're asking. I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like when I first, the very first layers I ever picked up years ago, 15 years ago, it was a T1. Um, and when I picked it up, it was, had the standard read in there, like uh, a 20, a 1.320. Okay. So, and, you know, I blew it and it was like, oh, okay. But before that I was blowing, you know, my, my father taught me what he knew of duck calling and his call he first handed me ever was, uh, you know, an ult. So mm-hmm. I was kind of pushing a lot of air and mm-hmm. trying to pop air through there. And I was even doing that with some J frames long time ago. Um, so even like when you pick up a T1, I was pushing a lot of air. So I thought that it didn't, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't fit me perfect yeah. at that, that read length. Cause it was probably too short. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and then I ran a hybrid, um, which had a longer standard read in there, uh, a 1.350. I was like, man, this is like better for my sound production and the way I push air in my lungs. So I kind of skipped over the T1s when I first started running layers and went straight to the hybrid. Um, but a dozen years ago, I, you know, I, I just didn't have... Uh, as much skill I had, I can call a lot of ducks. I was good. I've, I've always tried to get better. So what happened was I, I really started switching out longer reads into the T1, mm. which, you know, I knew that could happen. I just, it took me a while to really do it. And then I'd say right now, the, the way I run them, I run still my T1s with a little bit shorter reads than I do in my hybrids. Cause I want to sound like different ducks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, a guy like Brett Crow goes to the Worlds, right, in Easton. He wins first place on a T1 with a 1.375, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. which, you know, nice long read in that thing. And it does sound awesome. Mm-hmm. And if I had one call, if I had one T1 and no other hybrid or whatever, I'd probably run a 7.5 or an 8.0 in there. Because mm. you could, for me personally, I can take a longer read and I can get softer on it. I can't take a shorter read and you know be Crank soft yeah. and, and then and then bang it out and really bend that reed and and, and reach all the way across a flutter rice field or you know um a river you know edge or something mm-hmm. so i always tend to like a longer reed and i can just practice on running it softer um so in a t1 i'll go with i i really like personally the like one point two five or three because that's the top of the flat read style in in the layers 
uh, reeds that we offer and, you know, come from the factory because that flat cut on the top, it's more whiny. It's more uh, like crispy, if you will, Mm -hmm. more crisp, because then when you get to the dog ear, that's what adds rasp. Mm. So then the hybrid more rasp, like I can run a six O probably might be my average six to eight O in the hybrids, mm-hmm. maybe six, six, five to eight O in the hybrids is an average. I got, I got one or two that are always a 90. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. marquee, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just the way I kind of yeah. grew up and, you know, can push it. Yeah. So I, I would tell you that, yeah, six, five to eight O is about my average range in a hybrid. And then all the, the mag hens, I think, I think I have one that's a six O, but if I've got six on the shelf right now, I'm looking at it is uh yeah, six O and then like seven five eight O eight O in a pair of nine O's on the mag hens. Um and that's just what, what is that closest sounding to Dave? What is that the mag hen? Because I actually have never blown a mag hen. Is that more okay. similar to like an A5? Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you some guys you know, it's still a new call. So some guys haven't ran it. Some guys ran it once and didn't maybe give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. It's just a, a little bit longer call. It's easier to grab and go to. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit more comfort level and confidence when I need to like really bark at something uh, further out, you know, and just mm-hmm. really grab their attention. And on windy days, you know, some of our best weather uh, some of our best hunts here in the Midwest and when, where we hunt, where I hunt is like, if there's a weather day, it's usually going to be bringing a lot of wind. Mm-hmm. And I like to grab calls that can really get out and cut through the wind. That's why I kind of grew up a little more on my favorite of being a hybrid than a, uh, than a mag hen, the T one, you could still get loud on it, but it's just not the same probably confidence and overall sound when you put a longer read in a hybrid in a mag hen, you can, you can get more sound because there's more air, there's more surface area inside those, the barrels and the, in the inserts to just really reach out and create a further, uh, you know, extended mm. uh, sound production, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I, I noticed I caught something you said there while you're looking at the calls on your deal, your shelf there, and you're noticing 708090. I thought maybe I was the only crazy one, but do you actually, and I think you've said this before in the previous podcast, when you're getting ready to go out the night before and you know you're going to hunt tomorrow and you're like, man, it's, it's going to be windy tomorrow, um, you go look at your shelf and you pick those specific calls for that day. Yeah, and you, so you're changing out on your lanyard every hunt, um, depending on the weather, if it's calm or windy or a river or open water. Yeah, okay. yeah, I do. Yeah, it's like you know, only because I have that many calls, and yeah. that's what I like to do as mm-hmm. well. You know, it's like a lot of things. It's kind of fun, know, huh? <laughs> oh, it is. And whether you, you know, let's just say you you were into shooting a lot of clay birds or shooting a lot of you know pistol competitions or just for fun or um if you're into fishing you know you got your favorite rods Mm -hmm. rods you go to or baits you go to depending on the structure you're going to be fishing or you know uh, the other 
clays you're going to be shooting, whether it's skeet or trapper, uh, sporting clays. Like mm-hmm. a lot of guys have different guns, right? Like, I'm going to grab this gun for this. I just know it because, you know, this is what I'm going to need and be comfortable with. I do that. I think I've told you before because a lot of people have asked me, why you got different colors of all? Well, I tend to like the lighter colors of a hybrid. Hey, you have the lower reeds in them and uh, the smaller reeds and like the darkest call, the black or the browns or the the deeper colors i go with the larger reeds but i also I also cheat i you know i take my wife's like that blue painter's tape I cut little pieces and i'll put like six five on the on that piece of a tiny little square and put it on the barrel and a lot of my calls i'll have the reed size on the layers call on a piece of painter's tape because it doesn't mess up anything of course the acrylic but it won't mm-hmm. mess up the wood either um so that's kind of a really goofy nerdy thing that i do but it, it saves time i also pull the call idea. apart yeah i don't have to pull the call apart uh sometimes people like come in and like why is this what's this blue stuff oh oh i see it's got a number on it <laughs> okay and so um yeah I, I i do because i like to if it's a big weather day like with a lot of wind coming um i go to the longer reeds. i just want to be able to bang through that wind but if it's you know really cold day and not much wind you know just five to eight miles out of the north grab a t1 you know or grab a rnt uh, short barrel versus a mondo and i'm just going to go a little bit lighter mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> i don't obviously i don't have nowhere near the amount of calls you have but i do i since I don't have a lot of options on that end, I do what I do is I just will switch out like uh, obviously from like Pintel, Widgeon, Mallard calls. I'll switch those out, but also like sometimes I'll even change just the read itself because I'll use that same call. But what I also do, and I know some collectors would probably croak, and I won't. I won't do. There's some calls I just will not. I'm probably never gonna hunt uh, because they are so rare or whatever. But uh-huh. I do like like okay, this is a special hunt. This is like the vet hunt. I'm gonna take out like the American flat, you know that one A five, or t- with that paired with uh, maybe the Coca Bola call. I know that's probably making some people cringe, but I'm like, you know what? Just having it on there and having a memory with that call down the road. Say, yeah, I only hunted that once, but it was on this hunt and this happened. I I don't know. I guess that's what starts happening when you start collecting stuff and have enough memories. Oh, absolutely. I think every call I have, I've hunted, I can't see. I mean, maybe one or two that I'm looking at, but they're like almost duplicates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but just, yeah, everything I had, I've hunted at least once or twice or several times and, you know, just take care of it while you're hunting. And then I, I roll them up on that lanyard and just throw them back in the bag and then, you know, get them back home and, they go back on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen guys, you know, never touch a call on a shelf and that's great. That's, that's what they like to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time yeah. <laughs> doing that. You know, it's like, you know, a really nice car. It's like, it was meant to drive, you know, just yeah. drive it, drive it every once in a while, Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I, I don't have a call here. You know, even my dad's calls, which are way more special to me now that he's gone than, any, you know, the other calls that I have, um, I'll still take his call out, one of his calls out and, mm-hmm. and hunt with him, you know, on Christmas day type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, 
uh, some guys are the opposite, um, but I'm more like you. It's like, I got to get them out at least once or twice or, or so. Um, and, and then, you know, it, it's amazing because even as much as a call can bring value wise, you know, you think, Oh, well, if it's a, it's, if it's a shelf queen, it's never left this mm-hmm. safe or this room or whatever. That's great. In my opinion for new calls. Um, but when it comes to it, it, you know, if you're really worried about the investment, it's more of your return on the investment, then yep. yeah, don't take them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you also want to double dip and have a great memory with it, and it's more about, you know, the experience, then I say hunt them. You know, I got some calls that I, I know I could probably sell today that I bought and they're now, you know, probably worth a lot more, but they've got some character on them too. So yeah. Like, yeah, I remember when I dropped that one, um, you know, jumping out of the pit too fast and then my lanyard got caught on the ladder and mm-hmm. you know, or something. It's just, you know, nothing in my opinion is perfect unless you always keep it on the shelf and never use it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I agree on that. There's only one but that I won't do that maybe with. I don't know. But I've looked at it too before and I'm like, well, what's what good does it do you? And, you know, you don't get it out. But like you said, I just I guess it's just everyone's own opinion but to move on to the next yeah um i i we could i could sit there and talk about layers with you just because i like hearing all your i never there's so much stuff i learned from you on the first one and then this one you gave me some ideas i never thought about before too but uh what is your favorite go-to call or calls and then why okay um you know people who i hunt with they'll they'll tell you i usually have like a mondo around uh, on my neck on a lanyard. And, and then I usually hunt like either just one drop lanyards or two, two call drop lanyards. Um, I don't do multiple usually. Um, and I'll tell you why I just kind of like, I like simplicity. I like try to stick with something that I'm good at. And I know, and I'm just like, are my go-tos. Mm-hmm. So I'll have, I might have like three or four different lanyards that I just wind up put them in my bag and I'm ready and I'll pull out but first one. It might be, uh, it might be a, a Mondo LA and I've got a, you know, a mag hen on the other side of it hanging on my, on my neck. And, you know, that might be a great, that's, you know, that's a great combo go to a lot on, on windy, heavy, heavy, windy, windy days. It's like, I think a, a Mondo and a mag hen are, like my most common go-tos mm. wow. yeah okay because they're just both to me i can get the most sound and like heavy uh you know heavy sound and i get some more bass i just feel like i can cut through and reach birds get their attention with those two calls uh in in heavy weather situations now if it's just a regular good cold day and with the medium wind coming in and you know uh there's reports birds are moving and, you know, I, you know, a hybrid is probably my middle of the road, most common single lanyard drop call that I have, hmm. um, that, that I'll be wearing in, in the, in the pit. But you know what, at the same time, if my buddy's blowing a hybrid, I go grab the lanyard that has just the one T one on it, hmm. like a two, five or a three Oh, and I work that. And so we don't sound like the same kind of tone duck. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know if that, if that helps you, but that's, yeah. that's probably where I am. And then, you know, whistle, I always have a whistle in my bag or 
on lanyard. I love to throw that in every now and then because it's, it's great. Um, and then the teal call that, you know, Chris makes for us, um, that's a great addition as well. Um, you know, I would say on the layers line, because I know that that's what you use mostly, that's kind of what I'll mostly lean to as well. But I have to tell you, besides the Mondo, the RNT, you know, daisy cutters, I still got several of those that I bring in and that I use uh, mixing it up again. Cause I know if I've got two other guys in the blind, you know, if Clayton and Les are both running uh, layers, I'm going to throw on a daisy cutter. You know, if I know Steve and Mark are definitely running RNTs, I'm going to throw a layers on. Mm. So I, I kind of like to, you know, run in the past, like a little bit different. What I know the guys I'm hunting with that day yeah. are running. Hmm. I'm kind of intrigued too by single drop. Um, I have some ideas why maybe you would do that, but I'm curious, what's your main reason for like doing a single drop? Is it to keep stuff out of the way? Like you don't want a bunch of calls just jingle jingling around on your neck or just cause you want to run the one. Well, I think it's a couple things. Um, Maybe three. I'll start with one. Yeah, I I think simplicity for me. That's kind of where I like to I like to be in my a lot of things that I do, hunting uh, and, and etc. Um, and if I'm really good at it, I know the call that I got, and I know I can bump it up a little bit if I need to, or I can bring it down easily because I've got a longer read in it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one reason. Uh, the other is, yeah, getting in and out of the blind or, or whatever. I don't like the, the sound of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. moving around and making that noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could tell you how I can't count how many times we've, you know, replaced calls or send them back to the factory because they cracked and broke and whatever. Cause guys have, you know, said, yeah, I had them, you know, I was running across a goose field chasing a, you know, cripple and I looked down and this was cracked or broke. And, mm. you know, a lot of times it's because they're banging into each other. I'd rather like have that less of a factor for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is my dad used to say, cause his dad owned one shotgun. It was a, it was a 410 single shot. And my dad said, my dad used to say, beware of the man with one shotgun. I'm like, <laughs> Hmm. He's like, he's usually a pretty darn good shot. <laughs> and he doesn't miss, you know? <laughs> and so like, you know, I kind of like beware of the guy with just one duck call around his neck. I try to be that guy, mm. you know, because of, of the, of the legends and stories my dad would, you know, talk about. So, um, and I think there's some truth to that with, with some guys. I'm not, yeah. I'm not that, but, um, I think it just kind of all wraps into, to those, those things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 my big reason is I only usually have two just to have two different sounds. Like, say, if it's a mallard call or maybe it's a mallard in a, <clears throat> a multi call, like a widgeon, pintail, whatever. But yeah, my, the thing that bugs me that I don't like having hardly any on there is just the smack, like smacking each other and making all that noise. I try to be, try to be quiet, you know, and that definitely doesn't help having a bunch of stuff hanging off your neck. And also, <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Let's say you got your single call. Um, two questions here. Do you like a short lanyard where it keeps it up higher or, or, or a longer one? And do you like the call like over to the left to stay out if you're, shoot, if you're a right-handed shooter? Do you like on a single drop, do you kind of have the setup where it's on the left hanging or how do you do that? I usually uh, 
if it's a single drop, I'll put it either in the middle or still on my right side because I'm right-handed. Mm-hmm. Even though I shoot with, you know, the gun on my right shoulder, I always I always look down and I kind of tend to see I'm, I've always got enough room to where I'm never going to catch that call on mm-hmm. my actual shoulder mount. But uh, I could tell you I do like a shorter actual circumference, you know, of, of an actual lanyard around my neck. When we have a maid, I always try to specify, we do specify them shorter than longer um, because I'd rather be able to grab them and get them up close. And I mean, sometimes I, I'll admit, I mean, we're sitting around the blind. We, it's not all a hundred percent business all the time. And that's kind of how, you know, I like it. You know, if I'm sitting there and it's just me and one guy or me and two guys, and we're just talking, it's, you know, you miss birds. Like, holy cow, we just got, you know, they just buzzed the tower on us. You know, we just missed two mallards that just flew right over our head. And if you, but if you can grab your call quickly and just, you know, bah, 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 you can get in the turn maybe. And then next thing you know, you got two in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like it, you know, not real long on the lanyard length. And then I like them um, more like either in the middle or on the right side. And then last year I started, you know, I got this new puppy, Muddy. And now I got a whistle attached and mm-hmm. you know, I keep my, I don't like to have my, um, my e-collar controller on my lanyard itself. I always mm-hmm. keep it in a pocket or right on the shelf or something. I, to me, it's just too bulky for me yeah. personally, but I just always keep a whistle to try to, you know, when I got to get her attention, bring her back or whatever. Uh, so I've added a whistle, um, cause I haven't had a, you know, pure duck dog, uh, in a while. So yeah, that's kind of how I set it up. And, but I mean, there's guys that I know that run four calls and we do get a lot of requests and we have kind of upped our lanyard selection to, to have more three and four call drops mm-hmm. uh, because that's just the way guys like them and they were brought up on them and, you know, they have several different options. Mm-hmm. I have, I always have options, but I, they're in my bag, right? Gotcha. My blind bag. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I run it. I pull them out and put another one on there. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and thank you for all that information and go into kind of like uh, your top uh, 2022 uh, hunts that you had this year, maybe one or two if, if we have time for it. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh, yeah. Gosh, let's see. Well, I had to say, because like I said, uh, the new puppy from, and I got to mention his name, Eric Tison, out at Show Me Retrievers, did such a great job uh, with our pup. And, you know, she's, this will be her second year coming up, but her first year was great. Um, I'd say like my, my favorite 
probably, you know, top one or two for sure mm-hmm. was her first, her first hunt, which, um, I lump them into like a three day was up in South Dakota. Good friend, Ryan Lally said, Hey, we're going to South Dakota. You know, if you want to put in a good hunt with us, uh, so got to get, got to got that draw, got to get in with his group up there. Ben Fujan is a great guide. And so long story short, you know, had this puppy and she has not been on a live duck hunt yet. You know, only all, you know, you could train and you can put all these simulated mm-hmm. hunts you want, right. In the, whether it's a marsh or a lake or a field and throw the ducks that are already killed or just, you know, you pull the feathers out flight feathers and your dog does well, but you never know until you get the real, real live hunts in. Mm -hmm. There's no replacement for that. And, you know, the guy, Ben had a pretty good dog and I got this puppy first time ever. And, you know, so the first bird she goes out and gets it, but then there's some chaos and I'm like, you know, I could just tell these guys are like, Hey, just relax. She's going to be fine. You know? And uh, I was trying to get my dog to be as good as the other little more experienced dogs and and uh it just wasn't that long after then things just started clicking and it was for me it was cool to see a young dog Mm -hmm. just you know when that time when the dog is actually breaking to be a real duck dog Mm -hmm. that was that happened in south dakota on Mm. her first really three days in a row of, of hunting so to me like that really put it up on the on the map is as just an incredible, incredible hunt. Um, and even the guy's like, man, she's come a long way in just these two or three days, you know, from what she was doing at first. Cause she didn't know what she was doing. Right. right. Uh, you know that with, you, yeah. you know, with your dog and mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and then another great day, I, gosh, this year we had an incredible snow day. It was super cold and we were just smacking the ducks. We had, eight uh, ten guys probably i think in in the double pit that we were hunting and uh i just you know i was hardly shooting i was just getting muddy work and uh one one duck went down right out front she had been pretty good about you know cripples and trying to stay on them and not coming back until she found them and you know young dogs can give up early sometimes well it was, I think, four degrees outside. I'm not kidding you. I had a vest on her. It was mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. Come out, and ice on the ears and on the, you know, on the muzzle and stuff. And uh, there was there was a duck that somebody shot once and it went right down, right out front. Nice green head. Called her name. She broke out. Went to get it. That thing dove. And there's, you know, here's this patch of water, open water. Everything else is ice, and it's cold. And that. Greenhead doe, I was like, oh my gosh, that was perfect. It was 15 yards right out in front, but now wow. it's gone. Next thing you know, she disappeared underwater, wow. came up with it. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, wow. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, I was like, she's going to be a good duck dog. <laughs> yeah. That's some good drive right there. Yeah. So those are probably, you know, my two favorite. And it kind of evolved around, you know, great friends and, and, in a, in a great dog experience. That's How about awesome. you? What, like, what's like, I, I, of course we can follow your, you know, Instagrams and your YouTubes and yeah. we've seen some great hunts, but like, what are your personally, like if you categorize your top couple, throw them out there. Well, I definitely got, I got one, but because I'm into this whole YouTube social media thing, I cannot divulge. <laughs> 
It was the best. I'll just say this. It, and it, it it's all been recorded. It's on a video. I'll post pictures probably more towards when once duck hunting videos get back going again. Because right now, if you post something like that, YouTube just doesn't put it out there. I don't know why, but um, it, I'll say it was the duck hunt of my life. Every bit. Oh, wow. and, and I shot something that was really, really special. So actually two different things in one day. So I'm so excited that I got that on video because that will be a memory I will never, never forget for sure. And I definitely go back and watch that a bunch of times. But the, I would say definitely right up there with it because your kids are so special to you is my, my youngest daughter got her first ducks this year all by herself with my 28 gauge. So wow. that was uh very, very exciting moment. Like I was, you know, well, you know, my, you know, it is with your kids. You don't, they don't have to do what you do. I've always been one to be the kind of dad, like if they're not into that, I want to do what they want to do. And I want to be highly involved in it, you know, but yeah, my oldest, she's 14. She likes to go, but it's not like, she just kind of has that feel like I don't really want to kill a duck. You know, like I almost like maybe feels bad or something. And that may change as she gets older, but she wants to deer hunt you know, and she really loves to fish. And again, it don't have to be in the hunting or fishing category. It's anything else they want to do. But my youngest, she's, oh, she's like real gung ho about duck hunting. And we got a good opportunity to go out at a friend's place. Um, she's went, she's been going with me. I got a picture on my wall. She was four the first time she went with a couple of mallards. I shot hang over the deal with my older daughter too. But she went out there and the screaming that we both were doing when she got shot those ducks, it was pretty awesome, <laughs> I will say. She was teasing, that is great. She was teasing me the other day. She's like, Dad, you were crying. I was like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had something in my eye. <laughs> oh, so, <clears throat> well, that is so outstanding. Yeah. And you, you said 28 gauge. I was like, yeah. I've shot more like birds, birds, quail, pheasant, uh-huh. you know, over the over the years with 28 gauge than any other gauge that's like that's probably my favorite oh. gauge I, I need to sh- i need to shoot more ducks with it and that could be like a that could be half a show probably going into gauges and things like oh, that easily on, on guns easily. but yeah I, I i wish the um the price and the availability was was way more prevalent and easier to to to, to swallow on the 28 gauge for waterfowl and that tox yeah, I agree with you. And this is my first year having it, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I've actually wanted one for about four years, but like you said, the price, trying to get your hands on one, it just, I hadn't really found the one I wanted. I almost bought a couple different ones, and I backed out. And uh, I really didn't have no intentions on spending a ton of money on a 20 gauge. I was trying to find something under 1000 And I don't know, a moment of weakness, I guess I end up, me and Thomas bought a 20 um, Benelli Cordoba or Ethos Cordoba vest, and mm-hmm. then I bought the 28 version of it, 28 gauge. And oh. we both just absolutely love because I'm a big Browning guy. I, I really, really yeah. like my Browning A5s. My, my and A5, yeah, yep. yeah. And, um, you know, for trap, I've shot the Montefeltro, and it's just like, wow, this is an incredible gun. But, um, no, that it's just, I used it a lot more and, and, uh, put a good, uh, ammo through it, tungsten alloy from, you know, heavy shot. And it was just like, wow, I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm uh, handicapped at all. And I know it's not for everybody. And I definitely don't go around saying, Hey, you need to get this. Cause I do think, you know, you need to have some experience and you do need to be willing to wait for those right shots and be patient. But, uh, wow, it's, 
it's a blast. And it just happened to work over for my youngest. She, she had no fear of shooting. Um, we practiced quite a bit before the hunt within <clears throat> she's shot before last year with the 20, but it definitely kicked more. And yeah. she shot, she shot, I mean, she shot, she was shooting still, but, and I put an improved cylinder choke just to kind of open it up and give her a better chance of hitting something. Cause it was mainly till that were flying and, uh, which are fast and hard to hit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> she, she just swung that gun around. Like I couldn't believe how natural she's actually a lefty. And oh, uh, wow. I cannot believe how smooth she was with shouldering it and just swinging the gun. I was really, I've hunted with a lot of younger kids just over the years of trying to take young ones out or friends, kids. And I was, I know, you know, I guess I'm being partial, but I was like, wow, she must kind of have that natural, you know, ability. And and the fact that it's so light too, you know, it just yeah. makes a big difference, but. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, Hey, before we go to, I don't know how much time we left, but. I did write one thing down while we were talking. I want to ask you. Yes. Talking about like favorite hunts or most memorable, whatever. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give me a duck that you have not shot yet that is on your bucket list like next year or this, this coming season. If you said, I got to go shoot one, what would it be? What duck? Not, no doubt. No question. King Eider. Yeah. <laughs> I want one so I hear bad. You. I hear you. I'm I'm in that same boat. Uh, I would love to, and I'm I'm gonna get up there and do that someday. Um, another one which I have shot before is Goldeneye, but a buddy of mine hasn't, and he's got a great wall of old barnwood, mm-hmm. um, and he's got all these mounts up there of all the different species that he shot. And he's trying to add like everything, right? Mm-hmm. And he hadn't shot a, a Goldeneye, so we were we put it together. We, we were gonna do it this just past January of this 23 this last season, but, um, had to put it off, but we're definitely doing it. Yeah. Like in that Oklahoma area, there's uh, a guy down there. We know that just has a nice golden eye kind of connection. And there's always a, uh, a nice, you know, not a flooding of them, but they usually get real good. Hmm. Uh, you and know, it's a common, pass, common passes. golden eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, um, usually get, it's, it's, it's just, kind of a, a decent little flyaway for them down there in the area that he goes to. And so we're doing it for sure this year. We're going to just go like on a, like it's, it's not called a golden eye hunt, but it kind of under the radar, it's like, yeah, we're going after golden eyes. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, I'm, I'm excited to do that. I'm, I'm going to do that this year for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. that I know. And I, I say the King Iron just because it truly has been for years. I mean, I've, I've had other ducks, like I really like on the bucket list, but that King Iron thing, I, th- I feel like because to me, part of it is not only the beauty of it, which I think it's a phenomenal bird and the kind of weather and the climate that you got to go to. And there's not very many places at all that you can do it. So there's just a lot of challenges behind it not to mention the price and that's that's going to be one thing that definitely limits the possibility of doing that but i mean hey if it's your dream you can just save up and make it happen that's how i feel about it so i've kind oh, of yeah. i feel like i've been tucking some money away because my actual my pastor <clears throat> that we took hunting this year that's 89 he bug he has hounded me about that he's not a big warfowler he's huge he's killed so many big game animals it'll it'll blow your mind but he really wants to go get a King Eider. And I think how cool that would be just to go with him to, to do something like that. But I'm like, man, I kind of run it out of time. You know, I need to, I want to get out there and do that with him. So 
I don't know. Yeah. Well, good luck. I hope you get yeah. out there soon. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's awesome. And I would say, you know, to be a little bit more on the fair side, um, I'm trying to think here because I do still have a lot of birds that I really would like to get. Um, you know what? I would say the one that's a little bit more of a reality and could be sooner uh, is a, um, oh my goodness, my brain just went blank. The blue, the blue one, uh, the little one. My goodness, how did I not? Uh, I just not a blue, not a blue wing teal, but a, no, like a scop or a, um, no, no. Mm, I can't harlequin. I couldn't think of it. Oh, harlequin. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And you know, we were gonna actually do that this year in Washington, and then they closed it down. So I'm like, oh man, oh, I wow. I hope they open it back up because if not, you gotta kind of go to Alaska for that too. I know I've heard of some guys shooting them on the Oregon coast every once in a while, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can get that. I'd I'd say that's my most realistic next bird i'd definitely like to get for sure is a harlequin just they're pretty well i know that you guys have more pintails than you could ever you know dream about up there but uh have you got a canvas back bull on your wall probably you know what okay so i shot a canvas back probably a long time ago i have a picture of it somewhere and i was it was like 13 maybe 15 years ago and where i hunt i never really seem at all really it's just not that environment uh, maybe i've shot a few hens in between and i end up cooking that canvas back because it was a stud i should have saved it and got it <laughs> mounted but i didn't anyways the last two years i'm like i gotta get another canvas back but you know i want to do it on my own i don't i don't need it that bad where i gotta go get guided or anything but mm -hmm. I, we were we were going up north and i told thomas i said if i could get a can a drake stud drake can on this trip um, that would be my goal. And sure enough, this year we went on a trip and I mean, he passed by once I seen him down my gun ready. I grabbed it, even though there's, I don't feel like there's no way you could really call a can in. Um, I started calling and he did a big loop, came all the way back around and he was out there a little ways, but I was like, I'm taking the shot. He was like 40 yards out and I let, let him quite a bit and he just tumbled in Rocky brought him back <laughs> in. I actually got the video, my phone oh, of Rocky gosh. bringing him back to me. I'm like, yes, you know, like. And it's funny because I've shot him before, but it was so special because it was the goal, you know, and it was such a beautiful bird. And because he was a little farther away, he didn't have no damage to his wings or nothing. I mean, it was just so, yeah, he's in my freezer. And Travis, my buddy that hunts with me all the time, mm -hmm. he's going to be mounting the bird for me. So, awesome. yeah, he's a really good taxidermist. But, yeah, so that's definitely going to be hanging up on the wall here pretty soon within the next month or two. So Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah well, send me a pic. Yeah, I will. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Dave, I don't feel like we even covered half the things that we really wanted to. I know it's been an hour, yeah. but around an hour. So uh, thanks for coming on. And if you could just tell everybody again, I know I kind of said it, but maybe anything you want to close it out with as far as where they can find you and what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. Upperduck.com, you know, all one word. And, you know, we, we've got a great selection. We, like you said earlier, when calls come in, the the most sought after ones can go out pretty fast. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have robots, or I don't think anybody else, uh, you know, you know, buying them out of our system like that. But uh, uh, but but guys are sometimes just sitting there, you know, checking it every day, and you know, when they come in, they they can go. So uh, we've got you know a lot of you know layers calls that come in R and T, you know. Tim Grounds, Goose Calls, Reichlin, great you know, pulp, 
whistles and teal calls and got just, you know, our lanyards are, are, are done very well, all made right here, uh, et cetera. So yeah, anybody, you know, when you're looking for uh, an additional call or, or two, just check us out and we will take care of you. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And thanks for being so willing on quick or short notice to come on here. Cause I, I really enjoyed talking to you and picking your brain with all that knowledge. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure being here, and I'm honored and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, Dave, thank you so much. And, guys, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know I did, and we'll see you on the next one. (laughs) 